is Jeremy McGrath has Ezra Lust right on his back cover, and Ezra Lust collides with Jeremy McGrath. The bump and run, that's what you got to expect on this track. And Ezra Lusk has taken the lead from Jeremy McGrath. Here comes Jeremy right back in the timing section. Jeremy McGrath, Ezra Lusk. Ezra Lusk is out in front, noses out. Will McGrath put it to him? Yeah, he did. Yes, sir. Right Turnabout's fair play, but Ezra slips it and uh, now has a pretty good clear shot. McGrath's got to run at the whoops. McGrath's been exiting the whoops. Fantastic. That particular time through, Lusk got a great burst of power. If McGrath can't get any closer than this, he won't be able to do anything. He's got to get right there to take advantage of anything. That a Pulp MX Network production. A series of the most exciting action imaginable. Welcome to the Leanne Re-Raceables on PulpMX.com. Mathis and Weed revisit the instant classics from yesteryear, spotlighting those historic moto moments that simply never grow old. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Lee at Re-Raceables podcast. This is Phoenix Supercross 1998. Thanks for uh, listening. Really appreciate it. And uh, myself and Jason Wygant, uh, I really love doing these. And so please tell a friend and subscribe and, and download and all of that stuff. Thanks to the Liat guys. Different people ride for different reasons, yet there's a common denominator that binds everyone who puts the body on the line for the sheer enjoyment of it. And that is what Liat offers as a brand. They make protective wear, helmets, goggles, riding gear, knee braces, boots, neck braces, they cover the riders from head to toe for both moto and mountain bike, and what Aliyah really stands for is the promise of things to come. They're in the business of making sure that you have the confidence and the equipment to push yourself faster, harder, and further than you thought you could go. Go to Liat.com to learn more about their products, and the Moto Concepts guys, of course, have been in Liat for the last couple of years. they got the Flex Lock boots that Chris Kiefer helped develop. they got the uh, 9.5, 8.5 helmets, Velocity goggles. If you want a deal on anything from the folks at Liat after you peruse their website, uh, email us using the contact form on pulpamex.com, and I will make sure... I will pass on a discount code for you from the folks at Liat. So thanks to them for coming on board this podcast, and thanks to you people for enjoying this. Uh, again, I'm Steve Mathis. With me to discuss a 1998 Phoenix Supercross, it's Jason Wygan. What's up, Weege? Yeah. Another good one. Another good one. I know we say that every show. Uh, this is the, the we, we did one earlier with Ezra Lusk, Phoenix 2003, and that was more of uh, just because it was so surprising that they hadn't won in a while and Never won in the Cowie, and then he did. Yep. Uh, this one is more just because it really is an epic battle. Like, he downplayed, I feel, the Phoenix race, he didn't really make it sound like it was that exciting. This is exciting. This is really good. Yeah, this is this is a great race. Also, thanks to the folks at Maxis and Blenzol as well uh, for coming on the podcast, and uh, and Liat, of course. Yeah, this is the race. So, the 03 Phoenix that we did a while ago, his first win in four years, maybe unexpected because you had Ricky, you had Chad Reed, you know, you had Pastrana and these guys. Um, he, he's already a little bit older at this. This is peak Yogi, peak I'm a bad dude Yogi Lusk, like here I come. You know what I mean? It's his first year on a Honda, and uh, this is kind of a Yogi that when I picture him or when the fans picture him, this is what they think. Number three uh, on a Honda Fox gear, uh, this is Yogi. 
Yeah, I know that certain riders in the sport, you know, Carmichael obviously with the training or Doug Henry coming back from some gnarly injuries are just known as like just grit and warriors and wanting it bad is kind of their their brand. But I think Yogi in uh, especially 98, but when he maybe even the first two years at Honda, I, I feel like it's kind of sneaky underrated how I, I feel like the guy just wanted it so bad. He was willing to take risks. Uh, he talks quite a bit, as we'll get to in this pod, about how emotional it got on and off the track. And uh, he also had quite a few injuries that year that he just kept riding through. The dude wanted it. Wanted it probably in an unrelated, un, underrated sense. I don't think that he's the first guy that comes up on people's list of, like, gnarly, this guy would just do anything to win guys. But he probably should be, especially when you hear about some of his stuff from this season. Yeah, absolutely. We got him on the line. Uh, so that's awesome. Uh, thanks to Yoki for, for taking the time for us. Um, yeah, he... You know what, though? When you think about it, so, like, okay, he won one regional Supercross title. Is he, is he in the yeah. Wyndham books? Or Wyndham's got two. So yep. um, he's got one. But when you think about it, Ezra, and I, and I know this from, you know, my buddy Tim Ferry, like, Yogi as an amateur was amazing. Like, amazing. He, he, he was one yep. of the all-time, like, uh, you, you know, you talk about Alessi and Stu and Ricky and, and even Renard. Yogi was in that mix uh, from people who know him from back then. Yeah, uh, and I think I think that bears out. I mean, look, the top speed of Yogi and what he eventually became as a pro and who he was able to battle with and beat, you know, in this case, McGrath, or when we had that Phoenix 03 race, you know, almost peak Chad Reed. You know, I, I don't feel like that shouldn't be surprising. Like, this is the level of talent he was yes. supposed to have, yep. and this is the level of talent that he did eventually show. And it, what really becomes an injustice, or maybe this is just how sports work, we mentioned this briefly with the Phoenix uh, 03 also. It's like if you don't get that one title, it really changes the perception uh, of how good a rider you are. Not in the moment. In the moment, everybody knew that yeah, Ezra yeah, could win any race yeah. he lined up for. But when you look back 10 or 15 years later, the guys that don't get that one title, like maybe Marvin Muscan, maybe that's the direction he's headed. If he doesn't get one of these 450 titles, yeah. And, 15 years and I'll be like, dude, people forget how good Marvin was. That kind of thing. And Jason Anderson. I, I suspect Anderson goes through his career with one 450 Supercross title. Um, you know, yes, but it's a game changer. Exactly. he got that one. That's what yes. I'm saying. Like, he's got yes. that. He's got it in the bank. People will remember him. Yep. People will see his name there, you know. Um, yes. So I, I, yes. that's a really good point by you. And, uh, yeah, nice work bringing that point up. Yeah. Um, so tough on Ezra because I feel like he had the talent. He did put in the work. Yep. He was on good teams at, at good times. He did everything right, but. You can't. I mean, look, he was up against Jeremy McGrath in his prime, so that doesn't help. No, absolutely. And this is uh, this is he catches Jeremy McGrath. And as I told him in our phone call, uh, McGrath won seventy-two Supercross races. Sixty-eight were won by this blueprint. What happened on this night was Jeremy's blueprint to win. You know, uh, you're right. Get a good start, uh, move into the lead right away. Put in ten hard laps, break out the lead, and then just uh, start doing knack knacks. You know, and, and Cruz, Jeremy, technically, <laughs> technically, Jeremy was better than these guys. His BMX background has been talked about. He stayed lower, not scrubbing, just kind of like a pre-jump. Uh, and he stayed lower than these dudes. And that is what got him all these wins in Supercross. And, you know, you can't help but think in Jeremy's mind at this point in, the, in this race in Phoenix 98, he's like, I got this. I got this all day long. Well, even when you go back and watch this, and it is on YouTube, it's pretty much assumed. So... There's so much going on. We'll get into the bigger picture of this early 1998 season. But McGrath has lost the title from the year before, the Suzuki year. We'll talk about that in a minute. But basically, everybody's just waiting for McGrath to get back on top. And when he finally does get the start and checks out on this, it is over. 
to the point where when Yogi moves into third and then eventually second, Art Ekman and I think even David Bailey, the, the two TV announcers, are pretty much like, yep. oh, it's going to be a solid second. We had seen, like you said, that blueprint so many times. Even though it was new, McGrath and Yamaha hadn't won on the new bike yet. He was not number one in the series at this point. It was just expected that he's going to win. And good for Yogi. He'll get a podium. That's some solid points. But the chances that McGrath's not going to win this race, it's done. It's over. Head to the bar, everybody. <laughs> Head to the bar. Well, okay, yeah. so we should frame this a little bit. 98, Jeremy's coming off Suzuki. Uh, not a good year. Signs with Chaparral Yamaha. It's a factory Yamaha bike. Uh, the opening round, this is the third round of the series. The opening round uh, at the Coliseum, complete mud race. This is the Tortelli win. And by the way, uh, the, as the story goes, uh, Art and David totally missed it, right? They had to go back and record it. Yeah, they had to go back and they thought he was a lapper. Right, yeah. they, they thought he was a lapper. Yep. Uh, Houston yep. comes, round two, Houston comes, Yogi wins this one. And Yogi, this is Yogi's first year on a Honda, as you'll, as you'll listen, uh, he'll tell us why. He went had a very successful year at Yamaha and then... Went to Honda for 98. So Yogi wins round two. And uh, that's his uh, second. Did he win one on Yamaha? He did. Yeah, second. I think he, had, I think he actually got two the year before. Okay. There was Orlando. Yep. And then remember uh, Pontiac the year before, like McGrath had it and like blew it, like fell down with like, a few laps to go. Uh, I yeah. think he picked up that one also. So I guess that's three wins before this event yeah. going into Going into, yep. in, into this one. Um, so, yeah, that's where we're kind of setting the stage for that. Um so, Weege, when you rewatch this, um, this is odd. Like we, okay, first of all, our buddy Davey is in all of these re-raceables, and, yeah. and he's in this one yeah. also. And that's yeah. not a big deal because Davey did all this pit comment. Except he's in the booth with Art and David, and Marty well, yeah. Reed what? is on the floor. I do not ever remember. Okay, Marty Reed on the floor, yes, and Ekman and Bailey in the booth, yes, and Davey in the floor, and Ekman and Bailey. Like, I, I got all those combinations Except for this combination. What, what, what do you think happened here? I have no idea. Uh, we probably could just ask Davey. I think he's knee-deep at Loretta Lynn's or something. I don't even know. I, it would be fun to ask. Yes, there's a three-man booth. And, like, there's, like, Bailey as the analyst and then Davey throwing in some extra yeah. analysis. Yep. Uh, and he doesn't really get to say too much. The three-man booth is – I've never been a fan. And especially when you got David Bailey, like, what uh, – Davey would be the first to tell you, like, what am I going to say, you know, that David Bailey doesn't already know? Yeah. So – this is all. I'm just going to take a guess. I'm just going to take a guess. Marty Reed was like huge, big time ESPN guy. Yep. And maybe they're just like, yeah, we got to get Marty some work. And then the you know Supercross people or the production crew is like, well, we don't want to screw Coombs. Well, yep. put Coombs in the booth. He'll still get paid. And uh, Marty Reed needs to work, so we'll give him some work. Perfect. That's yeah, all I can the, guess. The, you know what? It's probably actually what happened. What? Where is yeah. Marty Reed now? What? Any idea? What? What Marty Reed? Yeah. Is so doing? weird. Like Marty Reed, I grew up. Uh, the Mickey Thompson truck races. Yep. Uh, he was kind of like the, the voice of that and then moved to the ESPN system where at some point you're seeing, you, you'll see some Indy 500 clips where he's actually calling that. Uh, he became really big time at ESPN, but I really feel like the off-road trucks were his main thing, mm -hmm. but he, you got to remember, I think these Mickey Thompson races that I'm talking about are mid eighties. So I don't know how old Marty Reed is now, uh, but he did actually an excellent job as pit reporter. Like he was not afraid to ask questions You'll notice if you go back to these 90s races, he'll be on the line and they're like, yeah, they soften the rear suspension because they wanted more traction. And I'm like, wow, it's like real info. Like, what was he just not aware that you shouldn't ask or they're yeah. not going to tell you? And he just went for it. 
Who knows? But yeah, Marty Reed, absolutely the voice of my childhood for races too, for many races. Oh, you yeah. did know this? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah, no. I knew Marty yep. Reed was around for sure. I just, yeah. I just wondered. I hadn't. At some point, he just disappeared. Like I don't remember him doing anything, but I'm sure he's around. Um, uh, I, I think uh, that, that's a tough, that's a tough gig. I feel like the uh, IndyCar world has been through so much turbulence. Yeah, you're you're the superstar. One day, and then you're completely gone from the sport the next. I've seen it happen to several. I'm going to assume that also happened to Marty. We we did yeah. the uh, earlier Lee at Re-Raceables, and this was a Phoenix Yogi 1 and 03, and that was at the Bank 1 ballpark, which is in the second or third year of existence at that point. Existence at that point. This one is at Sun Devil Stadium, and I was at this race, and this track sucks. Uh, the, I remember it being sucking back then, and I'm rewatching this race. It sucks again. Uh, also, if you want to watch maybe the worst Supercross track ever built at, the, <laughs> at this stadium, go back in 1986. It's on the world's greatest uh, Supercross races DVD. 86 was maybe the worst track ever in Supercross history. And then this one is uh, better than that, but not much. It's, it's, it's hot. It's dry. It's dusty. It's all of the crap. And I think like this, this held the football stadium for the uh, Arizona football team. But, dude, it seems so narrow in 86, and it's still narrow now. I mean, obviously, look, we go to the football stadiums. We know that. But this one might seem even extra narrow, Weege. I didn't get that from the layout. It was just more the dirt, how, how pathetic the dirt was. Yeah. Now, Obviously, it's Arizona, so yep. we get it. But they've obviously figured out a way to do a much better job now. Now we're in a stadium with a roof over it. That helps. But, uh, yeah, the, the dirt was super bad. I mean, it was borderline dusty. Yeah. And uh, Pebbly yeah, and, and just, you know, yeah, just, ugh. Yeah, yeah, it looked bad. I, and I can't even keep up with the metamorphosis of the different stadiums and uh, tracks that they went to in the greater Arizona area. There's probably been, I feel like there's been like five buildings that they've gone to in that area. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yep. Um, so 98, yep. I was uh, I was here. I was a mechanic for Ty Birdwell, a privateer guy from Oregon. And I, if you had asked me again how we did, I would have said, well, we threw a chain. I remember throwing a chain. Um, and the cases broke and I had to JB weld the cases, uh, to just try to get, get it to hold some oil. I don't think it really worked, but I could have swore that it happened in the night show, but looking at the results from cycle news, there's no tide bird while listed. So that must've happened in the daytime program practice or whatever, because generally speaking, my guy was good enough to make night shows in 98. Um, but I'm not even, we're not even listed in 98. So I don't know. I guess we threw the chain. I We definitely threw the chain. I definitely used JB weld. You know, mix it together, the, the gray tube and the black tube, and mix it together and put it on your cases. But it must have been during the day. But I was here. Uh, yeah, that's scary. Is JB Weld reliable enough for that, or is your guy hitting triples with your fingers crossed? Uh, I think it worked. I think, it, I think it was fine. Just a little crack in the cases. Yeah, I think it was okay. okay. It wasn't like it was, you know, smashed wide open and you could see the transmission gears. You know, it was something fairly decent that we could fix. But um, so, yeah, I guess he didn't make the night show, but I was uh, I was at this race. I do not remember this race, though, watching from the stands. Like, I don't remember anything from that end of things. I would have been there in the rider seating, right? I would have sat around and watched the race. Uh, but I, So, yeah, I, I can't remember any of that. But it's, it, it's a good one. It's on YouTube, as you said. Go back and watch it. But Later on in 98, I, uh, I got the job with FMF Honda. Like, halfway through Supercross, FMF Honda hired me. But at this time... I was working for Ty Birdwell, and we did not make the night show. Uh, but, n I mean, nothing to do with my mechanical skills. Okay. All right. All right. So you, you can't claim credit or blame. Right. Yeah. Although, although I have to say, you're consistent with that. You kind of hate when the mechanics take too much credit or blame, really. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, so what, what yep. were you doing? 
98. Dude, this is uh, going too far back now for me to be a credible source of anything besides <laughs> just a college student watching races on TV. And you might recall the old Cycle News virtual grandstand. Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, But uh, I didn't have a computer of my own. Parents were too cheap. I was too poor. So all I could do if a Supercross took place on Saturday night, although, no, I couldn't even listen to the webcast because I did not even have a computer. And we had computer labs at school, but they were closed Saturday night. Mm -hmm. So all I could do was just count the hours, count the hours until 7 a.m. Monday morning when I could bombard the computer lab, read through the Cycle News virtual grandstand, which was kind of like reading Twitter these who, days. Who would do that? Yeah. Do, do, we, do you remember... Who was that, or how that no, worked? No, I okay. uh, actually no. I think there's a name Corey Klinger. I think he might have done it. Remember okay. him? No, I don't. I think but, it was him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess Cycle News would literally just have a dude to the races, just typing and hitting enter, and it would just go onto their website. It was just raw text. Yeah, it's it's like I said, it's kind of like the Twitter experience is now, but it was the first time there was really ever live coverage of a race like of any kind i do remember the coverage because i used it or when i didn't go to races I, I i used it but i don't remember how that ever worked or anything so yeah oh uh, and i'm not even sure in 98 actually now that i think about it i don't know if the supercross webcast was around that early so that might have been the only thing uh, did you and then eventually okay. cycle news and tv and all that yeah, yeah but but you were you were in college you were just college guy you were nothing you weren't writing letters you were flagging uh, in english town or you were done by <laughs> yeah. then yeah, yeah 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 i do remember i would Write, I would create these newsletters for no one at all. would create these magazine-like stories of what was going on for no reason at all. No one would ever <laughs> see these. It would never get published. Uh, it was probably very MXA-like because, you know, that's what we thought media was yeah. at that time. Right. Like, that was the only motocross media. That's, that's how you write things. Now, so it was, yeah. just yeah. like, so Carmichael turned pro in 99, 250, I mean, turned 250 class in 99 yeah. and crashed out and didn't have much of a success, did win Daytona. Um, did he win Daytona? The next year. No, oh, no so, not even. The, yeah. Right. So, okay. The first year, he did not win yeah. anything. So, yeah. and I and you and I will argue to the death about this that no one, no one was predicting great things from Carmichael back then. No one was. It was like, ah, is he in shape? He's too small. He's too much of a whiskey throttle. Can he handle the bigger bike? And obviously, history has proven that he was fine. Um, it was just a question. I wouldn't say no one was. Yeah, it was yeah, just not just, yeah. for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Not for sure. Yeah. Yes. So my point to, to come, come, coming back around to this one, Jeremy, 97, has a couple of issues, loses Supercross title, Jeff Emig, switches to Yamaha, and a little bit of a slow start for MC. And I think there was a little bit of like, oh, was it the Honda? Well, you know, is the bike as good? Like, is he as good? You know, there was a little bit of that going on. Now, obviously... You know, history shows he figured this 98 thing out real quick and ripped off titles in 98, 99, and 2000. But, uh, yeah, there was some questions. Yeah, yeah, I think there was uh, a couple things going into this year. You know, he, he had won already at this point. McGrath, his window of winning was already longer than anyone was used to. You know, in the 80s, guys were winning titles once, you know. And by, what do we always say, by like 25, they were done. They were done. Career's over, right? So there's that. Still there? Yeah. Yeah, you're listening. Right? Yep. Okay. So there's that. Uh, there's, you know, we saw Stanton. I mean, what was his peak? Four years? Four right. total years. 89 through 93. So if you just go by pure years, you're like, well, this has already been four titles for McGrath and then a fifth year where he didn't win the title. So maybe maybe they've just caught up to him. This is year six. Like, yep. we weren't used to guys being that good that long. Nope. So, yeah, going into 98, it was like, oh, 
he's definitely a contender. He's one of the guys. But he was definitely not, um, once he's off that Suzuki, he's going to kick everybody's ass. Definitely yeah, not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I remember there being questions in the pits and around yeah. and everything else. So um, yep. a couple things looking at the results uh, here. First up, uh, Guy Cooper uh, attempts to make both main events on a KTM. He doesn't what make either heck? main event. But this is, again, I was at this race. This was way past Guy Cooper's prime. Of course, he would come out to ride the Nationals in, what, 01, 02? Uh, but this was Supercross, and, yeah, Guy Cooper. What? 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 <laughs> no, no, KTM, both classes, what about this makes any sense at all? Yeah, nothing. Anything? Nothing. No, nothing. Nothing. I, I don't remember this. I don't remember thinking, like, oh, my God, there's that Guy Cooper. He's still doing it, but... Uh, yeah, pretty crazy. So Coop was there that night. Yeah, his last uh, real year, you know, on the circuit full time was '93. So five years later, he's back on a KTM, which was not a very well established brand at the time. Uh, also, Racing both classes. Fre yeah. Freddie Bolay doing some supercrosses. Uh, yeah, Freddie Bolay was there that night. Uh, world, champ. world champ. Yep, Freddie Bolay yeah. was there. Uh, another guy named Marco Kovalainen, who was a Finland guy, and I guarantee you, I didn't know who he was this night. But smash cut to uh, nine months later, and a Steve Mathis is in Europe doing the uh, uh, German Supercross Championship for a KTM team based out of Germany. Uh, that was my gig after FMF Honda. And Marco Kovalainen won the series on a Honda. And I, I was like, oh, this guy's pretty fast. And looking at these results, I'm like, oh, hey, look, he actually raced some American Supercross. So there we go, Marco Kovalainen. You never knew that. No, never knew that. Never knew that. So. Uh, really? Yeah, Marco Kovalainen, everybody. Um, okay. Also, uh, talk about past his prime. A Jeff Chicken Matasevich is in the 125 class this night. Yeah, I actually <laughs> do remember that, that he came back on Mitch's team. Yep, yep. Yeah. And you're like, whoa, is there going to be? Because his career had kind of started bottoming out in America. Then he went to Japan and uh, did really well over there, right? Couple, yeah. couple titles in yep. Japan, right? Yep. Then he comes back to the U.S., and I'm like, I don't know. It's chicken. Like, maybe he'd be good. He's on Mitch's team. But I don't think he was very good, right? No, he, he was at uh, – this was Mitch's team. The year before, he rode some Takati Kawasaki, Paul Lindsay. He'd run okay. some races for them. And then, yeah, he was 1-1-1. And then he rode for Mitch for a little bit, filled in for Mitch. And, like, this is a two-time – this is the 88 and 89 125 Supercross champion. Ten years later, now racing yeah. the 125 class. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was bizarre. It was bizarre. Hey, 125 class eligibility rules. Yeah. It's always and, been a thing. And, it's and always also, been a thing. And also, it's chicken. It's chicken, too. Oh, so, God. Uh, well, you know, much like uh, when this is what's so cool about doing this particular show, the Rerasables. So, Yogi has told us that his 2003 Kawasaki, which he could not tell then, wasn't good in whoops, right? Yeah. Well, what you didn't know when Matasevich is coming back in 98. You know, I'm sure the insiders knew, oh, dude, chicken is not training. Chicken is not serious. Chicken is partying. But you don't know that as a fan, right? Yeah. On the outside, yeah. you're just like, it's chicken. He's fast. Maybe he'll do good. So that's what's always interesting. You know, I'm sure looking back now, it was laughable. Like, oh, yeah, chicken. He's really hammering down. <laughs> right, right. But, yeah, yeah. I, as, as an outsider, you're like, oh, look at chicken. It could be good. Yeah. yeah. What was the rule that would allow a two-time champ to race the class again? Just oh, God, who knows? Yeah. Ass chicken? Yeah, Is exactly. that the rule? Yeah, yeah. Ah, chicken wants to do it. Let him do it. Mitch said it's yeah. a fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we got the categories coming up here later on in the show on the Liat Reraceables, Liat.com. 
Thanks to the folks at Max's Tires, of course. Uh, if you've got a mountain bike, you can use Max's Tires. If you have a light truck, you can have Max's Tires. A trailer, you can use Max's Tires. I don't have a trailer, but I do have Max's on my light truck, and I had them on my Blue Crew, and I have them on my mountain bike currently. So Max's.com, SGB Max's team, of course, a big part of the, of the Nationals this summer, and Max is helping out those guys and, and really, really stepping up for the industry. So thanks to Max's guys. Also, thank you to Blenzall, at Blenzall on Instagram, Blenzall.com. They got two-stroke stuff. They got four-stroke stuff. Weege Blenzall has got a lot of heritage in racing. They go back a long time. Yeah, and it's a, it's a cool brand to have them kind of back on the scene or, or, or making waves again. So that's cool. And I think they were really kind of their trademark was two-stroke stuff and that premix smell. But do not rule them out. They've got 4T. 4T, four-stroke oil as well, because obviously that's where the market has gone. They've still got the caster blend for two-stroke guys, but they've got a lot of good four-stroke stuff as well. We talk about it every time in this show, putting it to use in some of the most harsh conditions. So check them out, two or four-stroke. And Hunter Slosher, repping, repping Blenzol out there. I, I, you've, you, you've, uh, you're a Slosher guy. I am a Slosher guy. Yeah. Yep. I am yeah, a Slosher guy. Yeah. Good yeah. dude. Um, yep. Thanks to Blenzol, Maxis, and of course, Liet as well. So uh, in this race, in this shitty track with this shitty dirt, in 98, in Sun Devil Stadium, Mike Craig, whole shots. Mike Craig, Honda of Troy. Yeah. Uh, same thing as chicken, dude. Like, every yeah. year you'd go in and you'd be like, Mike Craig is fast. Like, maybe this is the year. Right. Uh, he puts it all together. And, and shout out to the old Honda of Troy team. They loved taking flyers on those kind of guys. Like, guys like him, guys like Swink. Uh, I think Larry Ward. Yeah. yeah, Larry Ward. If I recall, when Honda of Troy started... It was like Kehoe, the hoop, like the hoop, like guys who had been factory guys had had success. Maybe they could find the magic one more time, you know, low pressure or whatever. Uh, and Craig, as always, he was fast at times. He, he was. He was really good. Uh, yeah. At one point, there's an ad. There was an ad for Axel or an ad for Honda Troy, and it's Brownie, Swink, Ward, Craig. And it's like, oh, the team. God, <laughs> just, Lord. you know what I mean? There's the team right there. So that's incredible. That is an incredible lineup. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and with Craig, look, I, I, it's getting lost in history now how good Craig was. Like, OK, I don't even really want to make the connection with Christian because, you know, Christian has said, like, I'm my own guy. I'm not associated with my dad. But as good as Christian is and as good as Christian's riding style is and as fast as Christian can go, the success he's had. Mike Craig was doing that in the premier class a couple times. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, Mike Craig could go as fast as McGrath a couple times. Like, as good as Christian is, we don't usually say, like, oh, Christian could beat Eli Tomac tonight if the stars and moon align. Mm -hmm. That was Christian Craig. Like, if the stars and moon aligned, he could beat literally anybody. They just never aligned. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Uh, he did have, he has the Tampa Supercross win. On his yep. uh, on his record, which a race that I believe I've never seen. I don't oh, really? even think I've seen a highlight from Mike Craig winning Tampa. Yeah, ninety four. Uh, he replaced Bradshaw when Bradshaw retired, and then he was with Factory Yamaha. He was coming on, and then McGrath I think crashed, and he wins whatever. McGrath wins like the first four rounds of ninety four, and Craig wins round five. And for that one week, there was one week in Supercross history where the entire world was like, maybe Mike Craig will be the guy to to conquer the king. Maybe he will be the guy that will take Jeremy McGrath down. It quickly went downhill from there. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like Christian or Christian Craig, Mike Craig winning this heat 
Seems crazy, but he was that fast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, he was. He was good. He's a good starter, a good style. You cannot tell me that the, the genes are not passed down to Christian because they both look really good on a motorcycle. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and I always want to say, this 98 field, this is hashtag deep field, dude. This is legit, oh, especially no. as always, round three when guys are not hurt. Like, now you're there's gonna, a lot of good dudes. Now you're going to get Villeman mad. But, yeah, Lusk, Jeremy, Fro, Damon Huffman, Kevin Windham, Mike LaRocco, Ryan Hughes, Jimmy Button, Larry Ward, right? Doug Henry. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a heck of a lineup. So when Craig wins the heat, that's no joke. Tim Ferry, 20th, yep. last place in the main. Tim Ferry, not Nolene Yamaha. Oh, is that his rookie year? Uh, rookie year in the 250s, yep. Yeah, yeah, yep. Not, a, not a good one. Um, yep. So Jeremy gets Craig right away, and uh, he's down, he puts like three to four seconds on him right away. Marty Reed interviews Randy Lawrence, uh, who's Jeremy's new mechanic this year, and uh, uh, Marty Reed's like, well, he, Randy Lawrence is smiling because his rider is well out in front. Again. Oh, it's gone. Yeah, like it's again, like, like David, Bailey, and Art, and everybody is like, yeah, this thing is, he's got this. Yes, it is over. Uh, he's definitely going to win. And, uh, hey, good on Ezra Lusk. He's making a charge. Maybe he'll get Craig for second. Like I said, Craig won the heat earlier. Craig's going to podium. And then there's this tenacious battle between Emig and uh, Damon Huffman. Now, Steve, if you go back and watch this race, if you go back and watch this race, they show the guys parade lap. They show, like, the parade lap on TV for whatever reason. They must have had time to kill. And Emig literally stops in the whoops to, like, inspect them. And now we look back. Emig is the defending champion of Supercross at this time. And now we can see that was the first sign of a crack where all of a sudden the whoops, like, ruined Fro. And his 98 season was a disaster, but the first few rounds are okay. Yeah. It yeah. starts sliding it, back Seattle here. The next week. Oh, The next or, week is where it goes completely yeah. south. But in this race... Uh, Yogi blows by Emig. Uh, Emig cannot get Craig. And then he has Damon Huffman, his teammate, all over him. And, yeah, so whatever. The results are horrible. He does end up fourth. Uh, so it doesn't seem that bad. But it's like, wow, Yogi just handled Emig, who's the champ. Maybe Emig's the best rider here. Well, it was the beginning of the end for the Fro show. It was about to turn really and, ugly. And DC says at some point that uh, he thinks Huffman and Emig are going to get Craig because he's not sure – if Mike Craig is in shape or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no one was. Yeah. No, one was sure. no one was quite sure about the shape that Mike Craig was in. Uh, so Davey's playing it pretty nice. Yes. But, but full, full props to Mike Craig. He held on for third. Good job. Yep. Uh, can we have a word about Art Ekman, as I always do on this show? I mean, if you must. He, he's not good, everybody. He's not. He's not good. I'm sorry about your Art Ekman dreams i know that's what you grew up listening to so you 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 want to believe it was awesome but a lot of this stuff it's just like dude he's damon huffman is trying to pass emig the entire race for fourth and i think art is thinking like well huffman shouldn't pass emig like for points like for the title and eventually bailey has to be like art i don't think at round three uh teammates are really doing that yeah for each other yeah i think huffman's just trying to beat him and i'm just like oh gosh and I also think, for some reason, Art clearly can never hear Bailey, because Bailey will be making a point, and then Art will just start screaming. Yeah, oh, oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, McGrath's on the outside. Oh, what a move by McGrath! <laughs> and I'm like, you just talked right over him. So I'm going to assume, I'm going to give Art a pass. I'm going to assume they didn't have the audio dialed in those days. At some point, though, credit to Bailey. He says, yeah. uh, 
I have he's a, the first to notice. Yeah, yes. he goes, it's this thing's not over. Yeah, he, he brings up yep. that you know this, as we said, the the the, the typical uh, trademark Jeremy McGrath plan. Uh, David Bailey's the first one to be like, hey, this thing's not over. So good, props to D- DB for that. Yes, and then Marty reads on it. He starts checking the pit board, and I think Marty says he's looking at his own watch, using it as a stopwatch. I guess no electronic timing screens at that time. No, no, this is just Cindy Thomas. Just <laughs> Cindy Thomas in the booth. In the booth. So Marty Reed, presence of him as pit reporter, to be like, hey, guys, my watch said it was 3.7 seconds. Now it's three. Oh, now it's two and a half. Like, Ezra's catching him. And I can't imagine the level of shock because yeah. he, he was coming, and, yeah, he was not even close. And then all of a sudden, it's on. Now, okay, full, full, uh, full marks to Yogi. For, for making the pass on Jeremy and, and everything else. The lappers are bad. They are yeah. bad. It, it's not, uh, you know, again, I think it's a narrow track. It seemed like a narrow track, and the dirt, uh, you know, seemed like there was one good line only. So, yep. you know, the, the lappers definitely hurt Jeremy McGrath. They get to Larry, Larry Ward, Ward and Albert and team, Albie, yeah. teammates on Suzuki, and they are battling you would think they're battling for the win. Yeah, yeah. This. They're side by side trying to pass each other, and McGrath's just stuck. Yep. So that, that helps lot. Yogi a lot. Hey, but once he gets to him, he yeah he, he puts a nice pass on him. Yeah. Uh, well, you know what? Maybe we should just let Yogi take us through because it was aggressive racing, but to hear his perspective now on why the, the, the aggressive racing turned out the way it was, a lot of it because of the dirt and you were just sliding, uh, was stuff I didn't know. So... Yeah, it was aggressive, and I don't think McGrath was pumped because McGrath really never liked contact. No. Uh, so it, it uh, was probably shocking for A, to see McGrath get caught, A or B, to see McGrath get passed, and then how aggressive Yogi was uh, to try to get him. All right, we talked to Ezra. Yogi lost the winner of this race about uh, Phoenix 1998, and uh, let's join that conversation now. And now on the Lee at Re-Raceables, let's welcome our past guest we've had on, but uh, another great ride from him and another interesting night. Uh, another win in Phoenix for him, too, Phoenix 98. Ezra, Yogi Lusk. What's up, Yogi? How are you, man? What's up, fellas? I'm doing good. Just on a little vacation right now, trying to relax. What's up? Well, thanks for doing You know, we had you on for Phoenix 03, and now we got you on for Phoenix 98. Uh, yep. another, another win. This is in a different stadium. This is in the Sun Devil Stadium, as we said off the top. And first of all, I guess my first thoughts on re-watching this, uh, Yogi, was this track was garbage. <laughs> 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 Am I right? Am I right? With a capital G. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> The yeah. dirt looked horrible. Yeah, God, the dirt looked bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean the 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 track guys back then, man, they they had their hands full. That's that was all they could do, really. You know, I mean it, it was it was so hard packed, and and believe it or not, I, I never really felt good on all the California tracks. I mean, I, I won a few Supercrosses out there, but I just never ever felt good, especially there. Uh, so this is 98, <laughs> second round of 98. The first one. Uh, oh, third. Oh, third one. Sorry, third. yes, third one. Yeah, you won uh, Houston a week before. Yeah. Domi- dominate Houston. And this is yeah. a come, come your, from behind you. Your yeah. first year at Honda. Uh, and you know what? At the end of 97, you're at Yamaha. It's a super team. You guys are crushing it. And I was always like, man, why did Yogi leave Yamaha? But as you've told us, uh, it wasn't, wasn't really a, a chance for you to stay. Uh, man, that would have been a great team. Oh, man, it, it was probably the funnest year I ever had in my career. Like, it was the funnest year ever. I mean, I, you know, John Dow, Doug Henry, Kevin Windham, obviously. I mean, we've done so much together. We mm-hmm. always, you know, ran together and just, uh, 
had a blast. But yeah, it wasn't in Yamaha's cards. They really couldn't afford to keep me. Uh, Honda, you know, just did whatever they did with Jeremy and they parted ways. So they needed somebody. And uh, so that door opened up and I just went there. But yeah, the I mean, that was a bummer with Yamaha, but I mean, it is what it is. That's just the way things go. I want to know this with the Honda thing. Um, you rode great in the beginning of uh, 98. You win these two of the first three races. Was this just you coming into your own and you doing your thing? Or was Honda literally like, we have to beat McGrath. He left us. We have to beat it. Was it just you doing you? Or was there motivation or pressure from them behind the scenes to, to beat the guy that left them? No, there was never, ever anything like that. Because, it, I mean, it's a, it's a professional team. I mean, they don't really look at it, that kind of stuff that way. Right. I mean, all they can do is give me what I need. I mean, coming off of 97, like I had a really good the end of the outdoor series. I felt like uh, I was trying to go to another level as far as fitness goes because I won two supercrosses. I won an outdoor, and, uh, you know, my fitness level, I don't know. I, was almost, I almost kind of feel like I was becoming more of a man. You know, I was kind of getting a little bit more man strength instead of the boy strength. <laughs> so, you know, and, I, well, I did, and I just kind of felt like uh, – after that year, I felt like to beat Jeremy, I needed to be able to sprint longer into the main events. Like I needed to be able to go anaerobic for longer. And uh, so I worked really hard with it. When I went to Honda, I just kind of used their experience and never really had an off season because uh, then we went to Japan and we raced over in Japan for, you know, a little while. And I honestly, I never lost all, all through the off season. And then, uh, Actually, the first round was a bit of a chaotic because, mm -hmm. you know, it was a mutter. Yep. And, uh, you know, AMA was supposed to go around and tell everybody that, you know, we were loading the gate because the schedule was really jacked up with the way the day was going with the rain and all. And nobody ever came and told us. So I was late to the gate. Like, I had to get last gate picked. Oh, wow. Okay. I don't remember yeah. that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the, we were the AMA just screwed up. That's so odd. Yeah, shocking. Yeah, Yogi, shocking. it's really, really shocking. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was a it was a big disappointment, man. Right. Because you know, you know how mutters are. Sometimes there's only a handful of good gates, and uh, so I was the last gate pick, and um, bad start. And then me and K Dub, we freaking decided to switch bikes in the middle of the, a triple. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, and just kind of one of those things where his rut led to mine, my rut led to his. <laughs> we, we were hugging in the in the apex of the triple at the very, very top. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I got, I think, 16th or something. Yeah, 16th. Event. Um, that second main event, I just kind of got away and disappeared. And then uh, Phoenix. Yeah, we could talk about Phoenix, man. That, what a day. I never really felt good there all day long at all. Not one bit. <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah i just never did and then i went out in the heat race and uh i just jeremy blew my pants off man he just walked away from me and i never felt good and uh cliff white was like after watching the video he's like let's do this with your tire let's change your tire we'll do this we'll do that and um whether it worked or not i went out in the main event and just really changed my attitude more than anything mm -hmm. and uh just I didn't get a bad start, but it was a bad enough start to, for Jeremy to do his sprint no. that he used to do and get away. Yeah, listen, you know? uh, in my notes here, you you were sixth. He and at one point, Jeremy's six seconds ahead. You know, yeah. like this is not this is 
Jeremy won 72 races and, and he won 68 of them with this exact program, uh, you yeah. know, of what he, what he did at, at that, this night. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I studied, you know, I studied it and I knew, I knew that, you know, just like we kind of mentioned with the whole Chad thing in 03 and, you know, trying to weather the storm of his early laps. Like I knew I couldn't do that with Jeremy. Like I, I you couldn't let him get away. And, uh, because you know what you can't, you know, you can't let somebody get away and then, um, try to catch them. Not, not at his level. So yeah, and that track, obviously, I didn't feel real good, but I mean, for about 18, 17 laps, mm -hmm. I, I picked away at it, picked away at it, and then, uh, honestly, the lappers kind of got really, really bad at that race, so those kind of helped me at the very end a little bit, too. Yeah, Jeremy and, uh, was a little salty about the lappers, and rightfully so, I think. I think yeah, rightfully so. <laughs> no, Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it. I think I got the lead down to maybe uh, a couple seconds, you know, I mean, that's all I could do over like 18 laps is <laughs> catch you by four seconds. Um, but then, yeah, we got into some really heavy, probably two or three lappers at a time. And, uh, you know, and I've watched that video several times too, and it, it doesn't really show every single pass. Like, we passed each other probably four or five times. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. I, I yeah. was there that night, but I don't remember. Yeah, I, I watched it. My rider didn't make the main, but I don't remember – yeah, I don't remember any uh, four or five passes. So, th th yeah. Yeah. Well, it, uh, yeah, I mean, I can almost walk you through it. Like when I. When oh, I, I believe you. Yeah. I just, I, I, yeah. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it, he did everything that it showed on TV that I did to him. He yep. did to me. Yeah. You know. <laughs> but you didn't see it on TV when he did it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, they were, they were stuffed. They yep. were stuffed, but they weren't, you know, takeouts. And uh, because neither one of us wanted to go down at the end of the main event. Even though I don't, I don't really remember where Craig was, but I think we were pretty well gone at that point. So, yeah, um, you pass yeah. him uh, after the finish, and then he yep. tries to stuff you like two corners later, and yep. then there was more stuff after that. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, there was two or three more after that. Yeah. Wow. So this yeah, is. Actually, oh, go ahead. Yeah, after the after the finish line, I just kept telling myself the whole time, like if I can catch him, if I can get close. I'm not going to do like a little stuff pass and him squirt back by me and get back away and me lose 18 laps to this race. Like I'm not letting him get back by. <laughs> and, uh, so we kind of, when we slid into each other after the, after the finish, we freaking went like frame to frame. Like I remember my ankle going up against his foot peg and then going into that next corner, we were like elbow to elbow locking bars, like all the way into that turn. And, uh, then I think we did whatever in that corner. Then that very next left-hander, I think we did it again. But then we did it again after the finish line, and I think he was on the inside. Okay. Because they, they went to, like, commercial break or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, yeah. Anyways, it was pretty good. But, yeah, Laffers did help me out with that for sure. Um, you, you, McGrath always said he didn't like to ride, you know, making contact. But, he, like you said, he, uncharacteristically for him, he did come back after you. With more contact than at least we're used to seeing from him. He wasn't taking you out, but that was uncharacteristic when I watch it back. I'm like, you don't see that from McGrath very often. No, you don't. But to be honest with you, I mean, it. I, I didn't think nothing of it from him there because it was the track was just that bad. Like, <laughs> well, no, for real, though. Like, if you weren't in the main line, if you had to come up on the inside of somebody, like, you would skate across marble. So right. it's like you would think you're going to kind of just go in and rub them and just slip to the inside, but then you would just slide right into them, you know? I see. 
So, is that what happened over the finish line jump with you too? Did you yeah. not intend to hit frame to frame? No, I didn't intend it. No, for sure I didn't. I didn't. No, because I, I couldn't stop. Like I wanted to keep him from cut, to keep him from squirting back underneath me, but I just slid right into him. And he honestly, he did the same thing to me after that next rhythm lane before the whoops. Yep. You know. And uh, but no, I didn't think nothing of it. I mean, not not that night for sure. So a little bit of the start of you two's rivalry that escalated later on, huh? This was kind of maybe the start of things. Well, there wasn't there at that point. To be honest with you, there was obviously a rivalry. Like I wanted to win. Like everything that I had done was based off of what I had to do to beat Jeremy because he was, you know, obviously the guy to, to beat. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was he was another level at everything on the motorcycle, fitness, you know, just everything. So. I had prepared myself for that going into the year. and uh, But the rivalry, like where I actually got really to the point where I just did not like him or anybody that he hung out with, <laughs> that kind of happened like two weekends later at yeah. Indianapolis. No, I mean, I'm being straight yeah. up honest with you. Two weeks later in Indianapolis, um, going into the first turn of the main event, his buddy uh, Jimmy Button, like he came up so hard on the inside of me off the start. I got a picture of it, and his front fender is basically curled under. It's up against my like elbow and rib cage, Jeez. and he's and he's I, his his wrist is still wide open going into the first turn. Like he oh, basically wow. yeah. got in, he got into my side and just kept it pinned and just pushed me out into everybody, and I ended up falling and I ended up breaking my hand because I didn't finish that main event that night. I had to go to the hospital and. Mm-hmm. get my hand x-rayed so at that point after i seen the video and seen still pictures of everything like i'm like it was on that's, <laughs> yeah that sucks like that didn't happen yeah you know the, the deal with him was pretty just kind of you know racing but then you know when you start sicking people on me like that like it's that's kind of where it went south for me yeah yeah um, yeah that's understandable that's pretty that, gnarly that, well, and that that led into me kind of having to just kind of have subpar races for a while before for me to get healed up and get better. Right. But that led into the whole deal at St. Louis. Right. 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 That, no, I mean it, honestly, that kind of like you know when I kind of seen that window open with a couple corners to go, like that's all I could think about is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, wow. it was. Uh, it got intense for sure. Um, and, and remember, this is Jeremy's first year at, uh, at on the Yamaha, and he, you know, he was finding his groove early on too, right? So he was probably yeah. frustrated as well because you're you're yeah. you go one one two, and you know, I mean, he's not he's not peak Jeremy right now at this moment. So yeah, he's probably like, oh shit, you know, like Yogi's yeah. Yogi's pretty good here. Um, yeah. Were you? Yep. Were you? How? Like the '97 Honda? Uh, you know, pretty atrocious. Uh, Bradshaw said he liked it, but not many people did. Larry Ward said he liked it, but you know, universally regarded as their first aluminum frame bike that was r- way too stiff and way too rigid. By '98, did you? Were you still battling it a little bit, or what did you think of the bike? Well, you know, it was like '97, '98, '99. It was the same, same frame. But uh, I just feel like we we got really good suspension on it. And, uh, you know, we, we really kind of got the thing to work good for me. And uh, 98, I felt like I was trying to set suspension up to where it would be a little bit more rider-friendly. 
and then going into 99, we just kind of changed it a little bit more to where I'm like, I'm going to make it work where it needs to work good. I'm not going to worry about rider friendly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and then I jumped out there and won, you know, the first round, two rounds at 99. And uh, then I had a bad race at Phoenix, which is where I normally have good races. And, uh, but no, I mean, same frame. We just kind of tinkered with the, you know, because mm-hmm. obviously you really can't do anything with the frames. Um, you can't remove any kind of metal or anything. So that's really the only way you can make something a little bit more flexy. Right. And uh, what the bike needed, but, you know, that's what they did in 2000. The new frame mm-hmm. then was really good. Yeah. So. So no, I got. Yeah, it was weird because that '97 really had a bad rep, but obviously in '98. Um, so you never felt like that was like a work in progress. The bike was okay. It was fine. Well, no, yeah. I, no I'm not going to say bike was fine. I mean, it, oh okay. Was, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, but you know, you can you can sit here and pick any bike you I've ever rode apart. Obviously, I see. I mean, it, you, you can. I mean, everybody, you know, can have something bad to say about it. But you know, as far as me and as far as the way I was riding, like I I actually like the bike. And, uh, you, could it be better? Yeah. I mean, it could have been better, but it did everything like I wanted it to do, which is like whoops yeah. and some of the real G outs. Like it, you could drive through that stuff real hard and real fast and it, it would get a little bit deflective, but no, nah, man, I you, liked it. You, uh, you teamed up with, uh, Mike Gosler as your mechanic this year at Honda. And of course, you know, he, he went on to be an all time great, but even back yeah. then, man, he, uh, he's coming off Lampson and, uh, you, you, he picked you guys really gelled. Like, I remember talking to Goose, I don't know, a few years after you left him. And, dude, he he loved you. He he uh, he absolutely really bonded with you. It sounded like you guys were a, a great team. Yeah, we were. I mean, I'd always go out there and go stay with him up at their house where they, you know, lived up north, northern California, or not northern California, but over the mountain. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, man, I, I, you know, there was not very many people I really had problems with unless – obviously that situation we just talked about but uh no mike man i love him he did a great job he was you know one of the better mechanics in the whole paddock so he was great man coming off of working with lammy i mean i knew that what he said was going to be the mm-hmm. you know golden so right yeah we we rode so much during that off season. I was so ready. We actually did like a little state fairgrounds race up by his house. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we, we did. I just, I wanted to race. I love being there. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, and I love, you know, Mike being my mechanic. So it's cool. Also a Weege, uh, Yogi's look, black fox gear with, you know, a little yep. red on it. It was a good look. It was strong. The bike looked cool too. Yeah. Yeah. The it, bike looked cool too. That yeah. Year. Everything looked yep. good. So. Yep. Yeah, it was pretty simple. It was clean. Yeah. You know, I, I loved it. Yeah. Hey, I want to ask the whole 98 season. I, I always, I just felt like you were so tenacious or so motivated. You mentioned, okay, you get this boxer's fracture, you hurt your hand. You're just, you're still coming back strong. You're still trying to win races. The opening round doesn't go well. You come back strong. Didn't you even uh, break your arm and get it plated and then come back still? Like, I just felt like you were just, nothing was going to hold you back that year. Well, yeah. Uh, <sighs> And let's see, Bud's Creek, going into the first turn at Bud's Creek, um, just crashed. I don't really know how or what came together with whoever. And uh, kind of did the exact same thing. I kind of high-sided, landed with my hand out. Somebody ran over, broke my arm, uh, the little, little bone in my arm. And uh, got a, we had a weekend off, fortunately, so I went and got a plate put in it. And then I went and raced Red Bud the next weekend. Jeez. So, Jeez. <laughs> yeah. 
I didn't do LaRocco's leap. I was afraid that it'd break the other bone in my arm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, Maybe five, seven or something that weekend. So, But unfortunately, I mean, it, it better of me and ended up getting infected a couple weeks later and uh, had to go through a heck of a time getting the thing right after that. Oh, but I just felt like you were – you just wouldn't take no for an answer that year. Like no. even in this, even in this race, like you were whatever, five seconds down on McGrath, 10 laps to go. And you're like, I'm going to try to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, that's just what I was made of, man. That's what I wanted to do. I, I loved it. And, uh, you know, when you spend your whole career racing and then you, you kind of decide what you want and that's what I wanted. I win races. I wanted to compete. You know, that was the number one thing I wanted to compete, which is what I still like doing today when I when I mountain bike and things like that. I just love competing. Yogi, do you remember when uh, Red Dog and I came up in 99 up to your place to ride? Remember that? Yeah. 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 God, I remember. Was we, was we getting ready for Southwick? I don't know, but I just remember you rode so much. <laughs> you were, you yeah. just rode so long and so far, so much. It was just like. I was like, man, this guy, like he, like what we said, like you're just tenacious. You just were like, you attacked yeah. practice, you know, like a race. I remember that. Yeah. Well, it was, we had a good little crew. I mean, when Timmy would come up and uh, man him down a little bit and uh, Sellers, when he was and down, he was always around. And, yeah. you know, Ricky rode with us a good, well, Ricky rode with us every day, pretty much, 97, 98, 99. And uh, so, yeah, man, it was Good. Yeah, and this was, yeah, of course, this was Ricky 125 days, and then, you know, we know the story about, you know, kind of he went to big bikes, and it was like, all of a sudden, you lost your training partner, <laughs> riding partner. Things got a little intense. <laughs> uh, Well, you know, I mean, it really didn't get intense for us. I mean, it, we know Alden came in the picture. I mean, it really just kind of happened because, like, you know, like we said, in 2000, I got hurt. Mm -hmm. So I kind of spent the whole the whole supercross season and part of the outdoor season trying to heal up from, you know, my shoulder being blown apart. And that's when the whole Alden thing happened. And he just, you know, he just kind of went a different direction and we, uh, him and his crew felt like it'd be better for us not to ride anymore together. So, I mean, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Like I, that we, I never really had any kind of hard feelings against Ricky. I mean, that's the decision they made was, um, you know, decision to make and that's all there is to it really. Is uh safe to say that these years at Honda were probably your most financially uh, successful years uh, with all the race wins and, and the, probably the kickers and stuff like that in your contract? Yeah. I yeah. mean, those were probably my best years for sure because I, I would have been uh, nine race when I was at Honda. I think yeah. It, well, no, nine, uh, maybe ten races at Honda. I'm not sure. Yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure. Because uh, also that year, because it was in my contract, when I won all those races hand, I got my regular bonuses for that, too. So Nice. That yeah. Good. So, hey, you yeah. know, guys say now, you said you had no off-season. Going to Japan is gnarly. It, it's coming back around. Guys are starting to do the off-season races. Not Japan anymore, obviously, but at least Paris and such. Uh, and they're like, oh, man, you get burned out if you do too much. Sounds like it wasn't a problem for you, or did at one point it start to catch up with you? riding so much in the off season honestly i really believe it's your mentality like yeah. i think i think if you if you look at it in a positive way and if you actually have a, a kind of an ending goal in sight like 
where you want to be, what you want to get out of it. Like if you want to prepare, set a time frame where I'm like, if you want to get into shape, like I know fitness now, like 10 times more than I did when I raced just from mountain biking so much. And if you want to get in better shape, like you, you don't stop. Honestly, you don't stop. Like you, there's really not much of a time off. If you want to get in elite fitness, like you just, you don't stop. You have little breaks here and there, but, uh, you know, for me, like the racing side of it, getting used to the Honda, getting used to competing at a higher level, kind of, you know, like, because even when you go over there back then, you know, like Larry Ward was always like super strong, you know, over in Europe. And uh, I mean, Jer- Larry was kind of like Jeremy in, in the U.S. when, you know, I mean, yeah. Larry. Was, oh, he was the master. Yeah. Yes. He yeah. was the master of those races. Yes. Well, Larry was fast back in the U.S. too, obviously, you know, but when he went over there, he was just like another level. So, uh, you know, him over there and actually the, when we went to Japan, like everybody went that year, it was crazy. Like everybody. Yeah. So, um, but no, no, the answer to your question, I just think if you, if you have a goal in sight and you want to get in better shape, you want to improve certain parts of your racing. I mean, why not race? You know, like you're yep. not going to improve it. You're, there's only so much improvement you're going to get at the practice track. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, well said. Yep. Um, well, Yogi, thanks. Uh, thanks for doing this. Weege, anything else uh, for Yogi? 98 Phoenix. Uh, just what was your feelings? It's like the same thing I was saying after Phoenix 03 when we did that show. Like after <laughs> it, you went two of the first three. You know, you're on a new bike and a new team. This is obviously a great start. You tracked down McGrath to do it. Uh, what kind of boost to confidence emotions were that? I don't know if you were a guy that fed off that kind of thing as much as others. How did you feel after this win? Well, obviously, it was 100% different than what we talked about with Phoenix. Like, I, I had felt, well, at that point, well, everything that I worked on going into that, that year with my sprinting, with fitness, with the longer motos, with everything combined, like, I felt like I did everything I needed to do to be prepared. Um, I felt like I was ready to, to race him. You know, the only thing that I just wasn't, I don't think, as good as Jeremy. I just wasn't quite mentally as strong when things went bad. You know, like, when that happened two weeks later, like, I, I kind of struggled to, to shake that off. Mm-hmm. And obviously, the rest of the year, I kind of raced with a bunch of emotions. And uh, I wish I, I hadn't have, that I had not had raced with so many emotions, because I think that just kind of gets the better of you. Um, because Phoenix, Houston, before that, you know, I, there was nothing. I wanted to win. That's all there was to it. Like, I didn't wish no ill will on anybody. But after after Indianapolis, just too, too, motion, just too many emotions going on. Yeah. But, oh. You know, Ouija, no, I, I felt like I had the answers. Yeah. I just, had, I just had to try to put it all together every week. So, you know, yep. Jeremy did that better than me the rest of the year. So hats off to him. You know, Yogi. Experience helps. Yeah, experience, experience helps, helps in that case. And, you know, that was your first time running. You know, for the points lead, so well, probably no, would exactly. help. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. No, you're, you're exactly right. You so. know, Yogi. The list of guys who just straight up caught and passed Jeremy McGrath and were better than him on nights isn't very long. And I know, you know, you don't care. Uh, you know, you, you you yourself knowing you personally, you you don't care. But you're on a list, man, of not too many guys that can say they, you know. Uh, they were better at, at Jeremy McGrath Supercross uh, many uh, times. And, uh, yeah. you know, so, I mean, that's kind of cool. Like, me as a media guy, as a fan, and Weege, too, 
That's a cool list. Uh, yeah. I don't know if Tim Ferry's on it. Uh, we beat him at Summercross. Uh, <laughs> okay. We beat him. I don't think we're on that list. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean, Yogi? Like, I think it's yeah. cool. I, again, it doesn't make you any more money. It doesn't doesn't help you, but I think it's cool. Yeah, no, no, I appreciate it, Steve. And, yeah, no, I do think about that stuff. I mean, because Jeremy was a beast, man. I, You know, I don't mean to keep being negative about it. It, it, it was a year that we – we had there together and I respected and loved it. And it was just awesome. And it's still in memories today that I, I was one of those guys because, you know, the memories that I have was all the work I put into that off season going into that year. And, uh, you know, that's one thing that's never going to get taken from me. I didn't win the championship from Jeremy, but I, I didn't, it wasn't from a lack of effort. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, well, I think that's what some of the guys nowadays they need about is, is the effort. Like, when they're all said and done, can they say that I did everything I could? Yeah. You know? And uh, I don't I don't feel like a lot of the guys in the days could say that. So I appreciate it. Interesting. Well, cool, man. Cool. Uh, thanks, Yogi. Yep. Thanks for the time. The Lee at Reraceables presented by Maxis and Blenzol. Uh, thanks for the time. And as always, good to talk to you, man. All right, man. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ezra. Yep. No, man. Thank you. Good stuff, Lee at Reraceables. Um, yeah, we didn't see everything, Yogi. We didn't see all the all the shots. So thank you for informing us on all of that. Yeah. Okay. Vital message board and everybody on Instagram and Twitter who's mad about today's TV shows. Oh, here you go again. Yeah, yeah. Bros, there is a point where Yogi and McGrath are battling for the lead, and they cut to a shot of the crowd <laughs> to show how excited uh, the crowd is. The the one shot of the guy in the orange shirt, he's just pointing. He's just pointing. He's not really doing anything. I was like, they kept this guy. They kept it on that guy for a long time. Yeah, actually, you're right. I feel like they went to the crowd, but the crowd shots isn't isn't even like look at the crowd. Like the crowd's not even cheering. No, no, they're just shots. Yeah, it's very bizarre. Yeah, they're literally missing, like cutting away from the battle for the lead to show the crowd. That's what was going on, everybody. So I know yeah. you want to complain about today's shows. Uh, it was it was never and ever, ever better. Uh, never any better. Also, that? I'm glad I found like so Yogi in St. Louis later this year. He just teased Jeremy up, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And now we kind of know the backstory of that a little bit. Whoa. You know that? You, yeah. Ooh. That that might be the most revealing thing I've learned on one of these re-raceables. I think. Yeah. Hundred percent chance. Hundred percent yeah. chance. I I believe the button did that uh, to help Jeremy. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I do too. I, I, that's what these guys were like. Yogi wasn't in the cool group. He did not party in Temecula Weege. Oh, um, and and this is the stuff that would go on when you don't party in Temecula. Oh, I see. Yeah, and and Button was not afraid to do that to people throughout his career. I'm not saying he was dirty, but he was he could go that he could go there if that's what it came to. He could ride aggressive. Yeah, where McGrath did not. You know, yeah. some guys would not do that. Other guys would. But uh, but I didn't know that. Yeah, Yogi was riding revenge because he felt like McGrath had put a hit hit you know, on him. And to fully back up Yogi uh, and what he was saying, so. Uh, he wins Phoenix in 98, right? Now he's got two wins of the first three, f- first three rounds, and things are looking good. Jeremy's still getting used to that bike. Then uh, Indianapolis, the hand, as Yogi said, he, got, he gets DNF, 19th. Then he said it took him a little bit to get going. Uh, sixth at Atlanta, right? Still not riding during the week, still getting hand work. Then he kind of yeah. goes 2, 3, 10, 3, 2, 1. Like, he, he, now he's healthy, you know? So yeah. you can kind of back yeah. up what he was saying about how yeah, it wasn't good for a few weeks, so... 
Yeah, and uh, that's kind of where I wanted to give Yogi credit when we had that interview with him there. I just feel like that whole season, the motivation of he's hurt, he doesn't care, he still wants to win, he's still coming back, He no matter what, they would pile up against him. And uh, it was kind of inspiring to hear how motivated he was even now, him saying, like, I want to compete. I like competing. Uh, yeah. Because that's the sense that I got from him that year. Like, okay, there are many years where the theory was that everyone knew McGrath was so good that you were just showing up, racing for second. And I felt like Yogi is like, uh-uh. I'm getting every ounce out of everything I can get every race, every weekend. If I start last, I'm going to pass as many dudes as I can. If I'm hurt, I'm still going to show up give you everything I got. It was underrated, I think, with the, how motivated he was and going against, apparently, other, another rider having a hit on him. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, so, okay. Uh, okay. Good stuff. Yep. Yeah. I, uh, and, and again, just as I said to Yogi on the, uh, on the phone call, like, dude, you're in this group of guys who can ru- beat Jeremy McGrath on your best day. I mean, again, doesn't yeah, pay yeah. your mor- doesn't pay your mortgage. It doesn't do anything for you in your life. But I don't know. Yeah. It's just something I think to think about because Yogi was a bad dude. Yep. If we can learn one thing out of this, now I want to ask you about the bike. Uh, you know, when that first, everyone agrees, right? When we first saw photos of that '97 Honda, I you know, I guess late '96, right? Everybody thought it was going to be amazing. Correct? Yeah. It looked yeah. super yep. cool. Yep. You're like, oh, this is the next level. Uh, and then eventually, I guess, word got out, uh, actually, if you ride it, it's got some problems. Yeah. So where do you know where everybody was by 98? Did they know, like, oh, man, that Honda's not so great? Or did people think, no, they just needed a year to get it figured out? Uh, do you know what the scuttlebutt on the bike was by then? Because now looking back, even the 98 couldn't have been that good. Yeah, Yogi, Yogi played it up as liking it, you know? Uh, yeah, um, yeah. I, I remember differently. I remember those first few generations until they changed it. So 97 yep. had a big radiator on it, one, well, one radiator on it. 98, they went to two radiators. They've always, they, they, it feels like they made revisions to the frame every single year, something smaller, something different. Uh, but I still remember until they got to the 2000s that that thing was an issue. Uh, from anybody you talk to now, Yogi said right. he liked it. So, you know, yep. hey, whatever. Yep. Um, you know, I had somebody tell me one time that Honda was 100% using different illegal frames for Yogi back in the day. You know, There were definitely rumors of the uh, polishing the frame so much, right? Yeah. <laughs> that you would rub some of the material yeah. away. And, you know, Rich Taylor, a buddy of mine, he, he developed the 97, and he said it was amazing in Japan. It was great. Yeah. And then they were worried about cracking, and they just made it so thick in so many places to not have it crack on a consumer, right? Which is the worst. Yep. Uh, and it, yep. it totally ruined the rigidity of the bike. So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think there were still questions on that bike. I really do. I, I, I do. Um, Yogi Yogi oh, okay. was more stoked on it than I thought he would be uh, on that call. So, Yeah, because at the time, I'm like, well, it's Team Honda. Uh, you know, okay, they got that bike figured out. But looking back, no one was saying, oh, yeah, in one year they had that bike figured out. It, yeah. It, it, the scuttlebutt is it took several years yep. or generations to really have it. Uh, 125's yeah. this day, David Villeman, still a part-time guy, still doing the GPs. Uh, one, uh, uh, Phoenix. So Michelin Tire, shout out to Randy Richardson for uh, uh, Michelin Tires. Um, Dowdy second, Ron Cotta third. Now this was Dowd, like old man Dowd, dropping down 125's. And as we've talked about, with we did the re- Lee at Re-Raceables with him at Southwick. You know, it was, it, it was he was happy to do it. He was fine to do it. But, um, yeah, it was a little controversy a little bit at the time. Yeah, so DV, if I remember, was basically like Euro guy, but was going to go for the title. So he endowed. He, he managed to fit in. Yes, he still did GPs. 
but he fit in all the Supercross rounds. I don't know if he had to skip a GP or maybe their schedule used to change all the time like it does now. And <laughs> I don't know. But Villeman and Dowd ended up becoming the guys battling for the title, and Dowd was able to edge him. Uh, I was actually interested in Villeman's podium speech. I'm like, this is going to be horrible. You're not going to be able to understand a word. But to me, it's about the same. About the same. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's funny. Um, and yeah. and obviously too, uh, uh, Dowdy goes on to win this year. Um, they at, but the final round I think is it Dallas, where Dow just rides and just takes off for the win. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I, it was either Dallas or their next to last round. At one point, Villeman looked like he was going to have it. Yeah, Dowd just gritted up and 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 beat him in a race where he needed to, if I remember right, to get the points. It was close. It was a close like season long back and forth between this young French guy. Yep. And, and, then and the 80, guy who eighty four year old John Dowd. <laughs> yes, yes. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yep. Um so yeah, one twenty five was was it was a good race. Uh my my uh my future teammate, David Pingree, fifth on FMF Honda, and Danny Smith, my future rider at FMF Honda, I got a sixth, so I would be joining this team later on this year. I just did not know it at the time. Oh, um, those were the FMF Honda guys, Ping and Danny Smith. Yeah, P- Ping, okay. Danny Smith, uh, McCormick yep. as well. Yep. Um all right, so what else? Um, hey, Villeman's team back then, I couldn't even figure it out. Like, he was on a Yamaha, but he was, like, on his own French style. He's always been yeah, at the, F- the FMF. FMF hype, was, which, no, yeah, FMF was bringing yep. him around, but it was all French graphics and French sponsors and stuff. Right. Yeah. Yep. But most guys are running Pro Circuit back then. He was an FMF guy. Yep. Uh, the Michelin tires, that kind of stuck out. Yep. It's kind of like his own deal, but almost good enough to yeah. win the title. Yeah, and, of course, yeah. he'd be full-time here in 99. So, yeah. uh, um, and then when I made a joke about uh, Ferrandez passing him in all time AMA wins, he started yelling at me on Instagram about how um, Ferrandez's 250 Supercross wins don't matter, just like his 125 Supercross wins don't matter. Ladies and gentlemen, DV. DV, even his own rider. <laughs> yes. His own rider. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, credit to DV. He, in his first full year in America, almost wins the Supercross title in the 125s and then just goes to the 250 class the next year. Yeah. Like, he could have just made a paycheck for two more years um, dominating that class. Something that Cycle News said that I didn't even think about was it said Tortelli was a no-show at Phoenix because he twisted his knee at the, at the Supercross track, um, which I didn't. I thought Tortelli was one and done. I didn't even – did he ride Houston too? Am I missing that? The, 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 was, I thought he was Oh, just, he was going to ride more? Yeah, I know that. it says in Cycle News he was going to ride wow. more. So I, wow. I'm like, wait, what? Like I remember him just doing the first one and, you know, and he's – oh, you know what? He does ride Houston and gets eighth. Huh? Huh? I see you learn something knew. new. Yep. I yep. thought it was yep. he was Never one knew. and done. So yes, yeah, he won the. We're, we're talking about here. He shockingly won the opening round this year in '98 in the Premier Class and on a 250. And then yeah, I didn't know he raced again. Um, Interesting. All right, time for categories. What do you think? Yeah. All right, Leah.com again. Thank you to those guys. Uh, email us using the contact form on PulpMX, and we will uh, get you a code to save with Leah.com. Maxis and Blends all as well. Thanks to those guys, and thanks to Yogi for the time. Good stuff from Yogi. Uh, all right, Leah, re-raceables categories. Um, who really won the, won the race? Uh, not always the guy to, uh, to win the race, really won the race, but damn it, Weege. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Yogi catches Jeremy McGrath from six seconds back. I mean, you, nobody does that. No, I mean, hey, you just want to say good on you, Mike Craig. You got a podium against a loaded field. You just want to go there yep. to, to not pick the winner as the winner. Yeah. Yeah. But this was Yogi's night. No it, doubt. It really was. Uh, who's that guy award? Now, we gave it to Tommy Harrison for the 03. 
uh, Phoenix. Can he be a two-time winner? Because <laughs> I, I want to do it. There he is again. I mean, I feel like Tommy Harrison could be a two-time winner because we still Phoenix know nothing more about mercenary. him. Yeah, yeah. Phoenix Supercross. Five years. This is five years between these races that we've covered in this show. Yep. And there is this guy, Tommy uh, Harrison. Yeah. Shout out to Jeff Chikamitasevich for 21st in the uh, 25 minute event. Not sure what happened. Um, also, Chris Wheeler riding a Suzuki, yeah. still repping Suzuki in 98 for the Pit Pro <laughs> team, and, and still on RM Army today, everybody. So, uh, Chris Wheeler, shout out, 14th. Yeah, 14th, the guy that's running Suzuki's, or, or what is left of Suzuki's racing program now. Uh, yeah, pro guy back then. Uh, this, honestly, this 125 class is just a who's who of personalities and legendary guys, I feel. Uh, yeah. You got Chicken in there, as you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, Eric Vallejo. Uh, people loved it. Eventually became the LCQ guy coming out with a sombrero. People yep. loved Vallejo. Uh, Brian Deegan, 17th. Yep. Tyler yep. Evans, 16th. Yeah. Uh, the, the stuntman, Andy Harrington, who makes a great living doing uh, Hollywood stunts. Actually, I think he lives in New Orleans doing stunts for movies now. 15th. Our, our buddy Wheeler. My who old rider, too, 14th. by the way. Andy Harrington, my old rider for two races. Yep. Yep. Regis. Um, uh, the, a lot of guys that went on to success. What's the word for like having a five pack or like a you know there's a there's a quad and then there's what do you say about five the number five? Oh wait, a jump like a quint? Like the, the quintuple is that five? Okay, quintuple yes. Quite yes. a quintuple, quintuple with Preston yeah. Wheeler, Harrington Evans, and Deegan. All guys that we know, all like you know, uh, in the industry at some point or another, or whatever. Like they're all. That's what I mean. Yeah. Thirteenth, fourteenth, fifteenth, sixteenth, seventeenth. All really well-known guys for different things. Well, I guess yep. Tyler is no longer with us. I guess I should take that part back. But yes, uh, yeah, very eclectic group right there with that with those right. guys. Yeah, ninety-eight and, West Coast one twenty-fives catch the fever. And Deegan will get seventeenth yeah. when it's time. Yeah. We'll get seventeenth when it's time. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Jeff Willow, twelfth. Uh, another, yeah, another, another guy. Oh, yeah. there must have been some epic parties going on after these races. Yeah, that's absolutely. all I got. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Lit Kid Award for the Lee at I gotta go, Yogi. Uh, I I should let maybe let you go first, but it is hard to beat Yogi's. Uh, like I said in that in the phone call, uh, the black and red and almost like a like a like a Dale Earnhardt type of look. You know, number three too. So I don't know. I'll go Yogi. Yeah, it's really one of the best bike-to-gear combo looks, the, the red and black graphics on the bike and the red and black gear. And uh, Yogi always ran the gold chain, didn't he? I don't remember, yeah. Was it? Okay. Yeah, I think he always yep. ran the gold chain, which was, like, fantastic for photos of, like, a guy going through the whoops. Right. You know, chain just going nuts. Um, yeah, I don't Chain I don't on his neck, you mean. You mean chain on his neck, not the... Yeah. Yeah. What did I say? Well, cha- you said gold chain, but maybe people are thinking of the chain on the motorcycle. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. gold chain as jewelry. Right. Uh, and I, that was, they're always made for cool photos. Uh, yeah, it's hard to disagree with that. There was a really strong look uh, at that point. And uh, like I said, that Honda always looked cool. That's for sure. Yep. Fro's shift look was good. Yeah. This was good. Yep. Strong number one, you well, know. let me just do so. this. Since you picked Yogi, I'm just going to go Damon Huffman because Axo was still really good back then as far as I'm concerned. And, and he got fifth, so I'm taking it. And you're a huge Axo guy. You've all that's you, it. Yeah, and yeah, we yeah. don't have much left no. after '98, Steve. No, we don't we got, have much left. Well, we saw Daniel Blair in the early 2000s was Axel. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> out the mighty have fallen. Uh, where's JT? While I asked him, where were you at in '98? 
He said, we rode the other coast and we were poor, Steve. That's his quote. <laughs> so he was 98 yeah. East Coast and uh, yeah. too poor to go all the way to Phoenix. Yep. Where's, yep. where's JT where's Award? JT? Uh, the Jacob Marsak Award for the rider who did the best that you'll never remember uh, in honor of Jacob Marsak's uh, third at Daytona. Weege, go ahead. Uh, I'm going to give it to our buddy Wheeler, uh, 14th. Uh, I, I I was just a fan back then, and I wish I had remembered more of Wheeler's career because as you look back through his results, he was you know main event level guy, fast privateer, and I don't I I did not know he was this good until I've gone and looked back at the results. So good on you, Chris Wheeler. Wheeler was a very good rider. He was at AM Leonard yeah. in 2000 KTM yep. when I was at KTM. By the way, AM Leonard one and done. Great looking bikes, great setup, one and done. Very odd, but um, we should do a yeah. story on one and done teams, Weege. Yeah, the AM Leonard. That was uh, the same time KTM was like, "We're getting serious. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have a real factory team, and then we've got a satellite team." Yeah, yeah. we're gonna AM have Leonard was uh, gardening tools. Yeah, if I remember right. Yep, yeah. And Chris yep. Wheeler was on there, and he was good because we rode with him a lot, right? Because it was all KTM. So, oh, okay, yeah. Um, my my uh, Jacob Marsak Award winner for this one, uh, Mike Craig only has uh, six career 250 Supercross podiums, including that win. Okay. And yep. one of them was this night, third, third place. And as Davey said, uh, as bad as Fro was this year, it had not gone off the rails completely at this point. Uh, Damon Huffman was a two-time 125 Supercross champion, uh, only one year removed uh, from that. Kevin Windham was the future. Mike LaRocco was the crusty, fast veteran. And, they, and Mike Craig held them all off, everybody. Obviously, these terrain being probably much, pretty much exactly like Carlsbad at 3 p.m. on a Wednesday yeah. uh, probably helped Mike Craig. Uh, but uh, third place for Mike Craig. I'll, I'll take that for the Jacob Marsak Award winner. Yeah, I like it. Like I said, that is a loaded field of guys for him to hold off and get a podium. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, so that's the categories for the Liat Re-Raceables. And that's uh, this edition of the Liat Re-Raceables. Uh, 1998 uh, Phoenix. Really, really cool uh, race. And, man, Yogi was good. That's the bottom line. Yogi was good. Yeah, and I just feel bad that uh, there was the internet back then. There wasn't no internet. We had message boards, and there were heated arguments and debates all the time. And me, as a guy who did not know anyone who knew motocross at all my entire life, when I started going on these message boards and seeing people arguing, I was just like, this is crazy. There's like five people that actually know what's going on in these races. And... There, I remember there were these Honda dudes. This is like the very earliest online battles over racing. And there was this army of Honda guys that were so stoked on Yogi and hated McGrath and hated Emig, <laughs> the other two guys. And I just remember reading one day. I could not believe I was reading these words. They're like, you're just jealous because Ezra's fast as shit. <laughs> and I was like, wow. <laughs> because that level of, of argument is common on the Internet. Like, it's been there every day since 1998. Yeah. <laughs> but in 1998, it was shocking to see someone uh, say that. Yeah, You're just yeah. jealous because Ezra's fast as shit. And I was just like, the internet, it has arrived. <laughs> we have our moment, everybody. <laughs> Do you think you were the first guy to ever get that? Did you kick it off? I don't know. <laughs> I, I didn't write it. I just saw it. No, I, I know. But were you the first guy that. to get served that, do you think, on the internet? The first guy to get ever served that you were jealous? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, no, no, no. I was not involved. I was just reading. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought this was to you. Okay, I'm sorry. I no, no, no. Okay. There was like some McGrath fans. Yeah, yeah. Fans. Got all that. I thought you were something. Yeah. You... Okay. Anyway, what I did not know, like, see, my whole life, I didn't know anyone that knew motocross. So I just thought everyone was a fan of everyone, and it was all cool. And then I'd go on this Moto, I think it was Moto News, or some, one of these sites in the early days, and like, 
Sunday, Monday would be nothing but just arguing. And I'm like, <laughs> what is up with this? And these guys would like die for McGrath or die for Honda, meaning Yogi, or die for Emig. And they were just, whatever happened on Saturday, they would be at war in these message board threads. <laughs> well, 30 years later, it's not much has changed. No, welcome to the internet. I did not know this. I did not know this is where society was headed. You're jealous because Ezra's fast as shit to some McGrath fan. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. Aren't we all just motocross fans? I'm so confused right now. <laughs> don't we love dirt bikes? We're like, what? He was a no, great race. We don't. We don't love them. We we hate you because you have a different opinion. <laughs> yes. About something, I wasn't prepared. About something that can't be proven. We hate you for your opinion on something that can't be proven either way. There yes. we go. That's the, the, Facts are, I know you're dumb. Right. On something that can't be proven. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good, good stuff. Uh, Lee at Reraceables. Uh, thank you to Blenzol. Thank you to Maxis. Thanks to Yogi for uh, coming yeah, on. Yeah. Uh, really appreciate it. 98 uh, Phoenix. Thanks, Weege. Uh We'll talk to you soon, man. All right, see ya.